Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, a horror video game podcast and proud member of Bloody Disgusting's Bloody FM podcast network. I'm your host, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Boat. And this week, we're revving our saws in celebration of finally getting to discuss Gun Media's latest asymmetrical multiplayer title, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Developed by Sumo Nottingham and based on Toby Hooper's iconic 1974 slasher masterpiece, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre goes against the asymmetrical grain by pitting four victims against not one, not two, but three members of the cannibalistic Sawyer family who stand in the victim's way of their attempting to escape capture and staying off the chopping block. So earlier this year, we covered the technical demo, which was, you know, a small slice of the greater experience. And now we've actually gotten to spend a good deal of time with that greater experience. And, you know, from the technical test, the thing that stood out the most to us was the fact that this is going against the grain of traditional asymmetrical multiplayer games, which I said, you know, typically it is a group of survivors in a solo killer, much like when we discussed uh, Dead by Daylight, but Mm -hmm. also when we discussed more recently uh, Friday the 13th, the game, which was Gun Media's other game that they had published from an iconic slasher series that has unfortunately, you know, met in a much earlier death, I think, than we wanted to see from that game. But now that we have Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre and we've actually gotten to play the full game, you know, how does that asymmetrical sort of reshuffling sit with you now that you've gotten more than a few matches under your belt with that four versus three um, structure? Yeah, it's just about the right balance between you know, being what would just be a team versus team thing. And keeping that sort of asymmetrical style, you know, I think that was one of my early concerns. Was yeah, if you're just going to three v four and like the three are quite powerful, it's just going to feel like a, a slightly lopsided team game like that. And then then it becomes very much like many many other multiplayer games out there. But no, yeah, I think the dynamic created here just gets more and more fascinating the more you get into it and. If you have people playing it that have the patience and understand uh, what the pace of this game is, it is truly unlike any of the other sort of games, like in this sort of field, if you will, because it draws it out to not just be like a bite-sized idea of like a slasher movie, like uh, is generally the idea. Um, it makes it this thing where tension can ratchet up where you have highs and lows and lulls and moments of pure chaos and they're organic to a degree you know like that there are mechanics in this game that make it so that you know you are kind of pushing victim and and killer together um as you go but they're not they're very subtly done you know they're not in your face in that way that you know that the, the gamification if you will of certain things is perfectly necessary you know like the, in the same way it was for friday the 13th same way it is for dead by daylight you know to get the experience exactly how you want to recreate a certain feel you kind of have to just accept that you know some stuff is going to be very gamified because it's a video game you know that's the point and the best thing you can do with that is make it so that it sort of slides in the background you don't really care about it much you know and you can just play it and it feels natural like that and i think that's the biggest compliment i can play pay to this is that 
this 3v4 dynamic works not just because of the structure of the game, but for the subject matter. You know, I think the text of Chainsaw Massacre is, um, you know, is all about family, to quote Vin Diesel. And it really does just show that in the way that you play it together and how interesting, I think, with the family, especially where you know, you're going to play with strangers at some point, you know, that the antagonistic nature of that, where you have to team up, but they also kind of at each other's throats sometimes <laughs> works yeah. for the way some people are uh, online. So yeah, that was a really fascinating dynamic to it that I didn't expect. And you know, I think that is where, for me, it really sort of showed how much craft had gone into making that a thing, you know, this whole dynamic you have of this three versus four and how you make it something so I don't want to say unique because it's not really unique it's just it's taking the best of both worlds if you will like I said where it is part 4v4 versus 4v1 and you know splitting the difference so to speak and here you go and so yeah it's a really good start when you have that and it makes sense you know like that that you have everything working out because of what you've done with this three versus four thing. Yeah. You know, whether it was intentional or not, that sort of antagonistic relationship that the Sawyer clan has with one another is perfectly fitting for online multiplayer. Cause just before mm. we were recording, uh, I was playing in a match where I had two teammates that, you know, as part of being new to the game, had no idea what to do and were like following me around and like swinging at me wildly and all these things. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's pretty much how, you know, the family interacts in some of the later films and whatnot. So yeah. whether or not that sort of idea was uh, intentional or not. But, you know, I think ultimately, and it's something that would be difficult to gauge really from a technical test because those are have such a breakneck pace to them because of the fact that you have this limited amount of time. Everybody's jumping into the deep end essentially for a weekend typically. And it's more about getting a general feel for mechanics while not really having a real understanding of what the final thing will look like, but also it's not enough time to really master any one component. So mm. it's difficult to judge balance off of two to three days of something. And now that we've spent a good chunk of time with the final product, you know, it is really shocking just how well balanced the killers mm. are amongst, you know, having more than just one on a team for any given match. I think that, you know, that was my big fear was that it's okay. Leatherface is going to, of course, be the powerhouse. But yeah. then, you know, you have other killers that, you know, potentially could deal just as much damage or, you know, having a focus that could be considered similar to him. So that way you end up in a scenario where if you're a victim, all of a sudden you're being chased by these two sort of sledgehammers, if you will, yeah. which could become pretty tiresome pretty quickly. But I think that, you know, Gun has learned a lot from their time, not only with Friday the 13th, but just overall of how to balance an asymmetrical multiplayer game. So that way you don't have that sort of quick burnout or level of frustration, mm. I think. And a big part of that comes down to the various perks and statistics that go along with the different killers. So you have, you know, killers that excel at savagery. Some of them excel at blood harvesting. Some of them excel at endurance. And in terms of having killers that have specific functionalities based on perks, that's what very well balanced. But I think more importantly, you really have killers that if a player is trying to step outside of their intended role, they're mm -hmm. going to see a diminishing return on 
the investment of going down a specific route, you know, and I think we should get right into sort of just the family side of things. Um, Because in my opinion, that's definitely the more fun uh, side of things to play as, but also it seems a little more natural for, you know, newbies basically to dive into this game to get an understanding of the mechanics because when you are sort of the one that's doing the hunting, you learn very quickly if you were in the other set of shoes what you wouldn't be doing or what you would do yes. to you know avoid falling into uh, your grasps, I suppose. But you know, you've got the three main guys that were part of the technical test, and then there's two additional. So of course, Leatherface, who is the only member of the family that must be in every single uh, match. Right, so yeah, you've got basically five. starts yes. from the basement as well every time as well. So that's yep. always like the the defining thing. He must be in the basement, then whoever else is is upstairs in some form. And basically, like you couldn't have a match in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre game without you know the most iconic member of that yeah. family. But they take it a step further in making that be the catalyst for a match because he essentially serves as like this bull in a china shop where he's in the basement. The survivors are busy trying to escape their restraints, and he basically is running around and either destroying avenues of their sort of, uh, I suppose, escape. Because as we mentioned uh, in our coverage Mm. of the technical test, like every single basement has these sort of like uh, livestock shoots basically that they could run through, but then Leatherface can saw through them to deprive them of that. But it starts with a nice primer, I think, to kind of like get the action started while the other members of the family upstairs are basically anticipating the inevitable escape from the basement. Mm. But if anything, they are more suited to a support role in a way because their strength does not lie in savagery like Leatherface's. So they're a little bit more tactical, I think, in their abilities, yeah. but also in their purpose, which is reflective of their stats. Because you know you have Leatherface, as I said, who is really the heavy damage dealer, but then you have, of course... The hitchhiker, another iconic character who's more nimble. So he can slip through spaces that other family members can't while also laying traps. But Mm. due to his low damage, he has a high endurance so he can bleed enemies or victims a lot more so than anybody else. Um, And then, of course, you have like the cook who can place locks on doors. But his special ability is is that he can hear the victims when they make too much noise and basically acts as a sonar to reveal their location within a given space but then you even have new characters that are not members of you know they haven't been prevalent in the texas chainsaw massacre films that being johnny who's a tracker who can sense footprints and then you have sissy who i believe sprays like a poison cloud basically that can immobilize victims and whatnot and again to have five distinctly different characters that have a utilization that you know doesn't feel like it oversteps into the territory of another family member. If anything, Mm. you start to very quickly see how your abilities can help another one or how it can just sort of create kill boxes essentially for the other different, uh, you know, victims and whatnot. I guess for you, like, what did you think of sort of the variety of abilities amongst the different family members and who is sort of your go-to, if you will? Uh, Well, say. The thing with that is it's fascinating isn't it that you have what is essentially class-based characters and there is the big difference um in having this sort of um asymmetrical thing done with three killers rather than one is that yeah you are bringing three different skill sets and 
they don't boil down to everyone's got this thing that helps them get the victim on the hook, you know, so to speak. Um, because of where you start with each one and your job, effectively, with those ones, they mix and match those skills really well, you know, depending on who you are, even if you haven't got all of those characters in the match, because, you know, having five means it's not going to become as predictable you know, if you've got these three people and you're learning, you know everything about their skill sets. Uh, bringing in those extra characters in, like Sissy, changes the dynamic. But they work in tandem. You know, those skills can be used to create like kill boxes effectively, can't they? It'll be, you, are, you can make the victims feel much more despairing, knowing that what could be an easy way out if someone's lacks with what they're doing. Um, suddenly it becomes really hard because you've double locked a door and set a trap near it and you know that could change the dynamic of what's going on in that moment ever so quickly now one of the fun things I like about that structure of having the killer start in different places not just because it makes it a bit fairer to the (laughs) yeah the victims uh, they aren't just bodied straight away is that one at least, you know, in Leatherface starts with, you know, the survivors and they have to get out of that area straight away. So instantly, it's not like, oh, you know, we are gradually building to the idea of um, getting away from this. You know, like you are in the vicinity of him and, you know, the, the advantage you have is he can't really go many places there without, you know, taking time to saw through them or and he can't fit through certain gaps. Now, I like that about the maps, especially as well, that you know each character in the killers can only do certain things, you know, and they can't go in certain places if they don't have, if they're not the right character, you know. Like we said, Leatherface can only sort through certain things, and other characters can only fit through certain gaps. And I like that so much because, yeah, you know, it has that hero shooter thing of like, yeah, you know your role in this, and you know, you're supposed to play it perfectly as a team. Um, and that's, you know, without even properly communicating, you've got that there. And yeah, for me, you know, I think the Hitchhiker has been like my favorite to use. Probably because like the first match I had on like proper one was like, I killed two people like that. No problem. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately in that match, like I had like one of our guys was like, not disconnected. We were just sat there not doing anything for like the entire match. So it was just me and the other guy just doing this for ages, like going around. A few around, matches like that. <laughs> yeah, like that. Or just people who like quit when they know that they're going to be killed, you know, like stuff like that. It's like the perils of online games. You you will get people like that. Uh, it, but when you do get people buying into the, the role play of this whole situation like that and on both sides, you know, I, it really becomes something quite close to not just the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but you know, horror films in general, like you know, it really replicates that chase scenario and like knowing the environments and like you said earlier, being the killers means that you learn maps and then learn from that to apply to survivors. You know, Dead by Daylight, that, that was the way I ended up having to learn that because it just didn't feel right to be survivors for me. You know, I found it too fiddly, I found it too unfair. And then the more you play as killer, the more you learn about the tricks and the traits and how people work out. And that, that's interesting. You build but, up a uh, confidence. Yeah, that's it. 
here, I like that you can learn all that, but because the maps are designed with these different abilities in, in, in it, you can only know so much. You can only have so many plans and it feeds into this idea of, you know, a situation where you aren't planning beyond panic. You know, you start in a panic situation, you go on from there and you don't really know exactly what you're going to come up against. You know, you may know the layout. You may know that, oh, if I go that door, that door, that's my easy way out. But not if someone else knows that, you know, and has already prepared for that very fact like that. And yeah, so I think the game does a really good job of communicating things without voice chat even. You don't even have to voice chat to do that. You know your roles as the killers perfectly like that. Everyone's you know, survivor team has this dual thing of like, they can get away on their own so that you can have a bit of selfish style to it, but also you can work together. You know, I think that dynamic is better here than it is in, say, a Dead by Daylight, you know, where you have, it kind of feels like uh, if you've got too many people who know each other, you're fucked because they, they will dick you around the entire match if you're the killer. And, yeah, you really have to be savvy to the tricks of trade. I'm sure that will come in time in some way, shape or form, but... For now, I think it's a really cool way of doing things. They've really made it work. And, you know, the one thing that I really like that this game does that is not the case in something like Dead by Daylight is the fact that, you know, in Dead by Daylight, when you're the killer and you hit a victim once, you know, you have to take that pause where you wipe the blood on your arm or your sleeve or whatever, and they have a moment to kind of get away. In this game, it doesn't do that. If anything it empowers both the killer and the victim to have their own means of follow-up. So the killers basically have to be very cognizant of their stamina meter because if you get too wild with your swinging of your weapon and you keep missing, or even if you connect, right, but you, you know, have two misses, one hit, vice versa or whatnot, all of a sudden, you know, once your stamina meter depletes, you basically have to take a rest for, you know, half a second or something. But... That is entirely on the killer to reach that state of losing all their stamina and having that pause. If anything, it reinforces the fact that you really do have to be more methodical with each swing or each sprint that you do. And if anything, you know, not killing a victim always comes back onto the person playing as the killer. Whereas in Dead by Daylight, I always found that to be a little artificial that I have to take this pause and I can't do anything for a couple of seconds. Whereas in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, when I have a pause like that, it's because I was careless in monitoring my stamina meter. And yeah. in the victim side of things, it's that so long as I'm cognizant of the environment that I'm in, if I get hit once, so long as I have sort of sussed out an avenue of escape, that one hit is not that big of a deal because it's not a death sentence. Unless, you know, you are facing a killer that is cognizant of that stamina meter and the victim is not really taking into account their surroundings, right? So there is a higher level of sort of success through, I suppose, just going through the paces of this game and mastering the fundamentals that feels a little bit more in line with the type of multiplayer experience that I would want to play. Because for me, you know, I've come around since, you know, largely due to the podcast in getting more into multiplayer horror games. Mm. And I find that, you know, when I'm a killer, of course, 
I want those moments where I come up against somebody that is, you know, a new basically so that I can take advantage <laughs> of that. But if anything, when I'm in th- that player's shoes, the victim's shoes that's about to get, you know, executed basically, um, I find that to be a learning experience of what to be cognizant of when the shoes, you know, on the other foot, as it were. Um, and, you know, to go back to sort of just the overall balancing of abilities and whatnot, you know, we briefly skipped over a pretty fundamental aspect of the family. And that is, you know, grandpa, who is, you know, a yeah. staple of the films. And in the game, he serves as basically like a totem that the player, that the family members, whether they are, you know, hitting victims with their weapons, they're gaining blood, or if they're going around to these various spots throughout different environments that basically they collect blood from, you kind of just like level grandpa up with this stream of blood that you keep feeding him basically. And you level him up and he begins to call out the location of victims, which is, you know, basically like sonar, much like the cook. Um, But I find that grandpa is really, I think, central to the fact that outside of Leatherface being one of those characters that has to be there every game, it really doesn't matter who else is selected. And I think that when you talk about balancing of classes, that is what is most important. And that was one of my fears early on when I was playing, when somebody didn't have the cook who essentially acts as a mobile sonar for victims. And then I remembered almost immediately, you know, grandpa, once he does that howl, and reveals the location, I was like, oh, yeah, you don't have to have a cook every single run. It certainly might help early on if people are yeah. not, you know, collecting blood and staying on top of feeding grandpa, which, to be fair, is definitely an issue, I think, when you're playing with people that you don't know. Because I've encountered multiple times people that just kind of wanted to chase down survivors and, you know, dwindle their health down on their own, regardless of if the class they're selecting is, you know, actually meant to do that. Um it's the type of thing where, you know, sometimes voice chat can go a long way when playing with randoms in terms of just being like, actually, you guys are playing as characters that are supposed to be focused on leveling up grandpa or calling out locations rather than chasing down people and trying to dwindle their health. But um, I think overall, you know, again, when you talk about the balancing, that is probably the biggest, um, I suppose, the biggest element that really does help the longevity of something like this. Because it's not the experience is not predicated on like, oh, did these people pick the proper classes to go with Leatherface? It's more along the lines of if you drop in and select anybody, if you are cognizant of their strengths and abilities, you can have a great modicum of success, I think, um, no matter the level of teamwork that's actually involved or not. Um, obviously, you want more teamwork than not. But when you're playing a game like this that's cross-platform, You know, I mostly played with people that were on Xbox and PlayStation that weren't PC like myself. Um, It's the type of thing that you definitely look forward um, to with a multiplayer game or you would want from a multiplayer game. Yeah, it's um, always going to be a balancing act, isn't it? Because how many multiplayer games have we ever played in our lives where there will be people who fundamentally don't get it and will play it a certain way or they'll play a way that they think gains them some sort of momentum they will play selfishly and I think at least some of what this game does alleviates that as a problem because both sides have a the ability to be selfish you know and that's fine and um, there there is no one way to win a match in that regard which is, again is essential 
because Christ, if you know, the only route out is one route and only one thing. And yeah, the expectation here in this game is that the idea is the killer should not be allowing everyone to escape. It, but it's also not the end of the world if someone does, you yeah, know, because that's kind of fitting into the story that's being told. Someone should die, someone should survive. That That is the idea of what you are creating uh, to make this yeah, very typical horror dynamic. It, and yeah, the game does a really good job at that, despite that being you know, a thing that could be such a problem, given how different people play and, you know, and how you get metas you know, from how the longer the game goes on and the longer it's out there, that people will say, oh, I played this way and this gets me 100% wins every time. And then you'll get those people, other people taking it on and on and on. You see it in every multiplayer game at some point. And the healthiest thing that can happen is if someone finds a counter to that and it goes back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, and I think what can be said or something like Dead by Daylight is that even though it constantly has that battle and you have these oh, here's the latest cheese that someone's come out with and they can do this and that, that, the other. They always fix just enough to make that that someone else will come out with a fresh idea for the killers, like that. And you'll just get the constant cycle of there will be people that will complain and say, oh, this is broken or that's broken. It's like, only if you play in those certain ways. Like The, the impetus then starts to become on the player to figure out a way to break that. You know, one of my favourite things at that recent sort of run-through on dead by daylight was that that i sort of got what they were going for these and these tried and trusted techniques people do and instantly i was like okay so how can i approach that differently and like and i knew that in 90 percent of the cases it'd be people who just seen what other people do and made a very broad idea of what that should be like that and you can take advantage of that and that's great because i like that aspect of learning and already, you know, there's little bits of that here that feel a bit more natural. Yeah, mm. And they happen in the match reactionary. You know, I think because the maps themselves have so many mechanics and different moving parts and like memorizing them more than ever is so important. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can change a game with just, you know, learning and memory in a way that you, you wouldn't expect. And, and Again, it really does feed into the idea that it's like a, you know, a horror movie where, like, yeah, the, the outcome is predictable, but um, it's how you get there and how you build to that moment that um, is the the wild stuff, the stuff you can make your own. And yeah, I think madly, you know, everyone would talk about stuff like uh, you know supermassive games and what they did with stuff like Until Dawn in terms of like recreating you know directing a horror movie and that, that was very sort of wide you know that's in a choice of like oh well you decide what happens here there, there everywhere um in terms of like a button press whereas this is more granular you know more modular you are changing little things every time like that but still with the same outcome coming in like that that thing that dead by daylight was always going for kind of couldn't extrapolate on at the time or now because you know it it has a formula and you can't expand too much on that without being a sequel at this point and you don't want to do that when you've got an established audience so it's up to other games to come along and do things like this and 
that's the best thing about working the genre, you know, is that there can be great ideas, you know, and it may be annoying or make your eyes roll that there have been so many licensed, you know, IP-based multiplayer horror games, you know, and I've been among them in saying it. But the important thing is you have ideas that can take it forward, uh, that you can do it in freshness. Yes, I still stand by the fact that, yes, you, there are, many of these are made with the idea that that's what people are doing, that's what people want, but it doesn't mean that that's entirely cynical. You know, it, it's not just done because that's the thing that will be our ticket to fame, baby, sort of thing. I just think it's like people will look at it and go, oh, well, maybe we can do something different like that. And you can tell the difference between a team that knows that, that they can do something different, and those who are like, yeah, we, we got the idea of roughly what we want to do here, and it's going to be basically the same uh, as that. You know, it is the, still the 4v1 formula or 1v4 formula. Uh, that's fine. That's, but I think these are the games where you really want to champion what they're doing because whatever you think of them in general, they are taking it further. You know, like that. They are understanding the basics of what we were trying to go for with this little subgenre. Well, I think those projects too were, you know, their developers are saying, well, this is the hot thing right now, so we're going to get this IP that has been dormant or has never had a games adaptation and adapted into a game. Those projects end up telling on themselves, right? And I think yeah. with something like this, not to say that Gun doesn't already have a good track record with uh, paying proper respect to IP utilization, as we mentioned with our episode in Friday the 13th, the game, you know, it's one thing though, if they had delivered this and it was like, oh, all the killers, you know, they look different, but they all hit the same, right? And I think that that is the best example of the fact that, you know, they're not approaching the IP in a manner where they're saying, well, you know, they're all killers, so they all should operate similarly. The fact that we got five killers that all play very differently and play to their own strengths with different abilities that not only make them viable choices for a match, but the fact that they can work in tandem with other members of the family, as you mentioned, um, just shows the level of care I think that Gun has, continually has for horror IPs and whatnot. And, you know, the last thing I guess I, I'll say about the the family side of things um, is, and it's more of a personal thing, is just the fact that I feel like a game like this that has a learning curve and a lot of that learning curve comes from memorization of environments and maps and whatnot, I would say almost more so than uh, killer abilities, right? Because the abilities are fairly straightforward. It's more how you apply them in certain areas of the maps that really is the standout in sort of performance, I think, with a killer. Um, but ultimately, I found that I was much more comfortable jumping in as a killer the knowing that I had, you know, killers by my side, essentially, right? And even if I was getting paired with others that didn't have a mastery of the killer they're playing as or their abilities, especially with Leatherface, right? Leatherface be, having that bull in the china shop sort of aspect to his beginning state in each match, even if you get somebody on your team that doesn't know the best utilization of him, they don't know to destroy barricades and whatnot to impede the victim's sort of traversal of the basement and ultimately the rest of the map, it doesn't matter because if they're running around, that is creating enough sort of chaos that you're going to make certain victims slip up. And that's a testament to, again, Leatherface being the heavy hitter, the sledgehammer of the family. 
And just knowing that if a victim slips up, even for a moment, that can have devastating consequences for them and the rest of the victims. And that sort of, I suppose, power imbalance between Leatherface and victims, but more importantly, I suppose, Leatherface and the other family members mm. is really crucial to that balance. And if anything, when I ended up playing as, you know, whether it was the hitchhiker, whether it was Sissy for the first time and not really knowing the best utilization of them early on, you have a certain amount of breathing room that you don't yes. with Leatherface that I think is really sort of it gives you enough of a, a sort of a rope that you can run around up top. And even if you don't know what you're doing, you have a certain set piece of time that that experimentation is okay because it doesn't yeah. have drastic ramifications for the end match sort of much like you said with the victims, mm. just because one victim escapes doesn't mean it's match over or game over. No. And I think that even if you have a sort of weak link amongst the family, that doesn't always mean the end of the match sort of, or it doesn't really cut your success entirely short early on, which was sort of my fear, right? Was that, Oh, if you have one weak link, all of a sudden all is for naught. And that doesn't end up being the case in this. And the other thing that's worth noting here is that with like the upgrade system that you have, you can essentially transform any of these killers into something completely different. You know, like they can play very different. Like that, and uh, yeah, if there are things you like about a character that you want to improve the weaknesses in, like that, you you can generally, and you can do that in a way that makes sense. Yeah, obviously that's not unusual in these kind of games that you have upgrade systems, but here it's they feel like uh, ways of enhancing the abilities that are already there, rather than just saying, oh, now you're just like everyone else because you could do all the same things, blah blah blah, like that. It's yeah, and that, that works perfectly for what it is. It's always just making, you know, whether it's making them have a bit more stamina or enhancing a certain ability that bit more. And that is a really good way, both ways, you know, the survivors as well, you know, to have a bit more about them and not knowing going into a match what the other characters will be, what kind of versions they will be, whilst knowing their sort of rudimentary, you know, I, you know, ideals and mechanics is great because you can be surprised by the game you know, which is a good way of doing it you know that you can do it in a way that isn't just like oh we just add another character to the game that plays like this that sort of thing like that it is just no no we you can make these characters flexible you know, in a way that you know it's the message of the game in general isn't it that you it just make this whole experience different the further you go in by your knowledge and by what you change and then what other people change. So even though you are going through the same few maps, you know, and with the same characters, they change just enough in those that it can still be a fresh experience hours and hours in, which is what you want. You know, it's the easiest, easiest way to go about it without adding and adding and adding and adding, uh, you know, which you know, in licenses, is a difficult thing to do as it is, you know. So, yeah, I, I think that's a really smart way of going about it. Yeah, it's nice to have the option and the freedom to lean into the strengths of a class while still getting to work on some of the perhaps imperfections or hmm. shortcomings of a class. Um, but I want to talk a little bit more about perks and abilities and the sort of leveling up system um, once we come back from a quick break. 
um, because I think that's going to segue us nicely into the victim side of things, which while I might have said might not be my preferred, I would still say that it delivers on um, a facet of the victim side of things that I haven't previously seen in some asymmetrical multiplayer games, but more on that once we return from our break. And we are back from our break. And in terms of the abilities and the upgrades for the killers and also the victims, you know, I really did like that I was able to take points that I'd earned from, you know, various experience that I was earning from matches and everything. And I could lean into the strengths of killers, but at the same time, I could sort of bolster some of their shortcomings. Like, for instance, the hitchhiker who became my go-to after Leatherface. He was my secondary because of the fact that he is so nimble and he can traverse those sort of environmental blockades that the other family members can't. So I can sort of climb through those little shoots in different uh, sections of the basement, or I can sort of uh, slip through the different cracks and walls that, you know, impede the family members from chasing most of the victims. And, you know, that ended up being something that allowed me to pursue my victims that when, you know, I'd have Leatherface or Johnny or somebody deal a significant portion of the damage, but my guy deals the least amount of damage. So I thought to myself, okay, well, once I've started to upgrade him, I want to not only boost his endurance, which he already is very strong in, so he can chase people for further, pair that with the fact he can go where other family members can't, but he doesn't really hit that hard. So I liked that I had the option to not only boost the endurance, which he's already strong in, but then I could sort of dump a few points into damage so that way he wasn't quite as weak as when he began. And I think what's really smart about that choice of like, okay, you can get new perks, but you can also boost their sort of base stats is the fact that it makes them more viable in each category while not necessarily rewriting the intended role of those classes, right? Because if you were able to just dump a bunch of points into one thing and it fundamentally changes the sort of direction that you should take that character, all of a sudden those classes don't really matter a whole lot. But the fact that it bolsters their abilities, but not to the degree that you might want, but just sort of sparingly, it allows them though to overall, you know, be more viable while not sort of just erasing their individuality, if you will, between yeah. classes. Yeah, it really does just add something special to that. And, you know, I think going into the other side of it, as we were talking about, you know, the victim side of it is so interesting, isn't it? Because you have a very stereotypical idea of what that would be especially in games where you are largely defenseless and you are having to make... Here it makes the most sense, again, because of what, you know, it being this, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, you know, the dynamic we know from that film, this effectively acting like a, a prequel to that film, by the way. And you know that it is all about just figuring it out on the fly and getting that inst- instinct right and... It's not like you are at some great disadvantage just because you aren't armed and there are three of them. And that could have been a real danger. You know, and um, that was you know, genuinely why I was least um, interested to play in Survivor at first. But what I'd like about it is there are so many 
dynamic ways to go around this map, you know, and these maps, you know, there are like three proper maps and they have each has a nighttime variant as well, which also plays a factor in terms of, you know, they might as well be different maps mm. once you get to nighttime because yeah. there, are, there are things, especially for survivors. You know, the fact that you can apply proper stealth in areas, proper tactical change on the fly, like that, you can anticipate what you think the killers are going to do, like that, and even goad them into doing the wrong thing, like that. Again, communication is key, and I think it's probably the side that needs more of it, you know, if you're ready to make the most of it. Um, but at the same time, it feels a little less um, cohesive with the idea going on. You know, it's like if you're in separate places, you shouldn't really be able to communicate. That makes sense. At the same time, though, you get a relish when your teammates kind of like go off into a separate corner of the map and cause a bunch of chaos and trigger a yeah. bunch of noise. And then the fact that the killers then get that alert and that can actually work to your benefit, which, yeah, you know, it's not necessarily unique to this game, but I think in terms of this game and the extra emphasis on noise discipline, that mm. ended up being a really helpful strategy or yeah, I, really I don't know did. if it's a strategy. It's more something you can just rely on uh, when you're playing with random. Somebody <laughs> wants to fuck off in that corner of the map and make a bunch of noise. Hell, that's um, going to be like yeah. a, a reprieve for me for at least 60 to 90 seconds because they're going to go to that noise generator and basically leave me alone in my corner of the map. Yeah, which again feeds into this idea of what movies have taught us. Yeah, there, there will probably be a character who will sacrifice himself unwittingly by being the sort that goes and causes a lot of shit to be fucked up. <laughs> and that's fine. That's good. That's great. And the fact that it can come, and I do honestly believe people do it unwittingly, thinking that they could just selfishly escape, they end up helping you out with their bad bad ideas, you know, and... I like that uh, that because one person failing can so often in multiplayer games be the end of your entire team you know, because it's like well, if you fuck up we're all fucked like that like that and yeah like I said before there is just the right amount of both things where you know, like teamwork is great you can do it but sometimes teamwork can just inadvertently happen by the fact that you are selfish in one way or another and it's like it might help you escape to, you know, help someone out for a bit in a loud environment and then fuck off the minute they make noise and let them get the cop the brunt of it. But, you know, could it happen to you? You could end up getting cornered, you know, in your little ingenious plan to be a cowardly little shit. But it's it makes sense, you know, that you would be like that because, you know, you're fighting for your own life first and foremost, and that's how it should be because... Why, you know, you are, <laughs> you don't really know people in, in many of these situations. They're like, well, you know, I'm out for me first and foremost. It's like, if you want to come along, by all means, but you know, you aren't making this worse for me by making a load of noise. And, you know, the audio plays such a big part in that, as you said, because uh, one of the best things is that sort of ping for the hearing that we've been talking about, where you can kind of locate where victims are as the killers. And, you know, they have knowledge of that just before it happens, you know, like that. And the idea is that they've got to stay still to not get pinged effectively. Now, that that's interesting because in the wrong time, you know, and, and you 
you're too busy thinking about something else, you can get caught out that way and suddenly your very cool, calm, collected time uh, sneaking around this area of the map has changed because every fucking killer knows where you are and that's where they're going to go if you were the only one that moved in that time. And as a sort of cat and mouse game within the cat and mouse game, I really thought that was a, an intense moment. You know, every time it happened, it's like it's you know, musical statues effectively, you know, like, and utilized in a way that feels intense you know, constantly. It never stops being like that. It, it, there are certain audio cues in this game that just imbibe that sense of dread when you're the survivors. You know, whether it be Leatherface suddenly revving that chainsaw, it works as a as a thing still, or just hearing, you know, the dialogue of the killers, which again, one of the greatest uses of audio I think yes. in this game. Absolutely, it's just like the the stuff that they say to each other and to the victims you know like that as they pass is really adds like extra flavor there's not that like silence you get from other games where there's not a lot going on in terms of like conversation everyone's kind of just sort of mutely getting on with it bar the old grunt here and there and yeah here it's like yeah it's such a fun thing like hearing like a killer coming close to you and like because you hear them goading you and like that and that adds so much it's here where you know it really feels like it's taken a lesson from single player horror games in terms of like making you feel like you're hunted you know like that or the hunter in the case of the killers where you are constantly listening up every little noise you know like that because there's a lot of wonderful audio confusion put in there where a sound from something else will sound like it's one of those sounds you don't want to hear whether that be like footsteps or like the sound of like drips or creaks or whatever and they will end up being the ones that make you go oh, shit and just little things like um yeah just hearing things as you say like in the distance and not quite putting where it is and then kind of figuring out and then realizing that's where you need to go and oh it's again one of those wonderful things that this game does in terms of just creating an atmosphere and a moment that feels like it's your moment like you can sort of have that uh, nobody gives a shit about water coolers anymore but a water cooler moment isn't it where you, you just stand and talk about oh well i did this thing and this happened and you know like and it is unique to you and you could talk to someone else who's like oh no but you know, I did it this way and that and with the fact you are able to have perspectives from both sides as well it adds more to that flavor it's like well I did this as a victim oh I did this as a killer like that and you kind of learn like that I mean obviously you have to have people around you playing the same game but I digress it's still something that can happen and yeah I, I like that so much that, about this game that it has that dedication to audio you know, in all its forms, from the and the music as well. You know, which changes and shifts depending on situations and like that. Which again, nothing that I haven't seen before. But I think it's been refined here in a way that it feels more like it, it flows into what's actually happening rather than just like, oh, you were in chase sequence A, so his music for chase sequence A. It feels more dynamic. Go, 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah, dynamic. I've just said dynamic too many times. I didn't want to say it's dynamic a, again. Well, if so. I go back and think about it over the course of the podcast, I've said it too many times myself. But I, you there know, you the the amount of times that I was saved by the chattering of the killers when I was playing as a yeah. victim is are some of the greatest moments I think I've had in horror multiplayer games. And it's not just the typical thing where it's like, oh, I heard a fellow survivor scream or I heard the killer, you know, swing their weapon yeah. and grunt. It's more about, you know, and it's, again, a fantastic utilization of the IP where it feels in line with the characters because you get those moments in the original film and throughout the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series where characters mm. are, you know, they're these cannibalistic backroads maniacs. They're, you know, muttering to themselves. They're saying these crazy things. And, you know, having that in the game and it having a functionality past just some flavor to the world and actually being, you know, a uh, benefit of playing as a victim that you can get a beat or a read on where some of these killers are. And it doesn't yeah. have to be this sort of mechanic, I suppose, in the traditional sense where it's an ability or something like that. That's one of those little things that is more of a nuance, I think. And it, you know, is a further reason why you know most people play uh, PC players play with headphones, I assume. But, you know, it's why headphones are so important when you play a game yeah. such as this. Um, and I think overall, you know, what is a really great sort of balancing of gameplay from a gamer gamification perspective and then the movie magic, if you will, that they're trying to capture is noise discipline. And, you know, the fact that when you're a victim, basically everything you do makes noise, whether it's just simple movement or whether it's interacting with like doors or there's, you know, these bone, uh, I suppose, bone sort of beads that hang from ceilings. And if you run into them, it alerts everybody in the vicinity to the fact that that's just been uh, basically run into or encountered with. And that's one of those things that really does capture, I think, the terror of the mistakes that victims make in horror films, right? And the fact that they're able to capture that same level of intensity, but it not be, you know, game over essentially always um, is a really important balance. And the fact that they're able to strike that balance, um, I think is probably the best compliment I can give to the victim side of things. Even if, mm. you know, I prefer to play as a killer, playing as a victim is just as rewarding in a different way um, in terms of capturing that true terror. And it's something that I talked about in our, chat with uh dave captiville for uh, dead by daylight right the fact mm. that that game is able to capture movie magic periodically and with texas chainsaw massacre i would say even more so than friday the 13th maybe more so because texas chainsaw is more restrictive in the size of the environment whereas friday mm. the 13th was much more you know expansive um, yeah. but it was obviously by design but i think with texas chainsaw massacre you have these little basically stories that play out in the basement. And then once you escape the basement and the fact that both of those environments are able to capture the same level of intensity, but for different reasons um, is a pretty strong indication that not only does gun and um, you know, the developer really fundamentally understand the IP, but understand the utilizations of it within these environments, which as you said, those environments, it's only three, but it really is six environments when you take into account the nighttime variants, which if anything, the nighttime variants put the ball firmly in the victim's court, I think, because of the fact that you can use darkness as more extensively of a cover um, yeah. than you can, obviously, during the daytime, which 
when you're a victim and you can basically crouch, whereas a majority of the family members can't, that ends up being the best defense that you can have, essentially. Um, yeah. You know, even during the daytime, specifically in the basement, you can turn on light switches and everything um, as a killer to sort of illuminate an environment. The nighttime, when things inevitably, you know, leave the basement, it makes for a whole new ball game. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, stuff like tall grass as well, where you can properly hide in it, you know, like that. It's not one of those things that is very difficult in multiplayer things where you have, a, a, like, a stealth element where, yeah, sure, you could hide behind this or have, like, high grass. But, you know, if someone's resolution is shit, you know, they're more likely to see you, that sort of thing. It's designed in a way that feels like they knew that straight away, you know, that that, that could be a problem and... Yeah, you could be passed by really easily, and um, which is great. You know, like that. A lot of times, you know, as killer as well, I just like think I'd seen something out of the corner of my eye, like that, and you can react so quickly and not and get away so much. Yeah, it's none of these. I mean, you can have drawn out chases, but they don't feel like an inevitability. You know, like that. They they can be very quick and final. They could be fleeting moments where you see you're seen or see and that moment goes but you know you aren't as focused because of the dynamic at play it's like well you know i gotta run away because if i stay here too long and try and run around in circles i can't that's fine if you've got one person against you but you know if another one comes into play and they know that because of what's going on you're just adding to the misery and making your life harder and the same goes for the killers where you can you don't have to just aimlessly chase after one victim because there's more like that and there's more people on your side that can go in to find them as well so yeah that was like one of those things that again where i was like i would like to see if that worked you know you know and if we had that difference where we aren't just going to have constant you know benny hill team chases around everything because <laughs> Because yeah, that's all you can do as a one person against four, and yeah, it really does change that dynamic in a healthy way on both sides. Mm. Yeah. I think that's another great benefit of um, upping the killer count. And I don't mean to keep slinging mud at Dead by Daylight, but that was my big sticking point with that game in terms of encounters. Was that you know you get into that Benny Hill section where you're a killer and you're chasing somebody and oh. They knocked over a plank or oh, they jumped over this yeah. barrier. You can't. And it's kind of this infinite regress sometimes. And I liked that Texas Chainsaw Massacre avoids that to a degree because of the fact that just because one of your victims is slipping through like the barrier um, or like a crack in a wall, if you're playing as Leatherface, you can shove your saw in there and still deal damage, yeah. right? Or if you're playing as the hitchhiker, you can sneak through there. Or if you're sissy, you can spit your poison cloud through there, right? It's the fact that there's just more options that don't yeah. allow for this sort of infinite regress of one or two outcomes. There's typically three or four outcomes for most scenarios, which I think for me, for the amount of time I've spent with it, I don't feel a level of, I suppose, familiarity with the game that I typically would with most multiplayer asymmetrical games that I would, you know, I've spent about 10 hours with the game. Around 10 hours, I tend to get to the point where I'm like, okay, I have a grasp on what this experience is before the next, you know, grouping of content comes out. 
But with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I don't feel like I have the same level of predictability with encounters. So I don't necessarily have the same level of, I don't know, fatigue seems like an overstatement, but just the Mm. same level of familiarity with how every encounter, it's not as rudimentary, I suppose, with how these things are going to play out, um, which I'm appreciative of. And, you know, one thing that um, I didn't mention in terms of just the victim side of things was that the victims I find are just as balanced and viable as the killers are. The fact that you have this you know, variety of abilities and whatnot that makes each one of them just as viable as the next, while at the same time potentially helping out with your fellow victims, even though it's not as much of an emphasis on victims working together as it is with killers in terms of their abilities. At the same time, though, you know, it feels like everything you do can be in service of yourself. At the same time, one of your fellow victims could potentially benefit from it even if, you know, they're not in your immediate vicinity, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, something we haven't talked about as well in, like, this whole escape plan that you can have is that you can effectively reset the bar for yourself if things are getting bad and send yourself back to the basement uh, through wells, which I was like, that was a very surprising sort of change to it, you know, like, because it could be very easy to sort of make the basement irrelevant once they're out there you know that and having this thing that is you know can tip the balance one way you know they can jump down the well the survivors to get escape a chasing killer but you know it will hurt them and they, they will be back in the basement you know which is the last place you want to be so again it's one of those aspects of the map that doubles up nicely that you know it works on both sides you can use it as salvation you can use it as a way to retrap victims if you kind of force them towards there you know a good a good will or killing machine will say that and you know one will chase and the other one will wait in the basement for them to come down and uh, and have the locks to the doors yeah that's obviously the dream and you know 90 percent of the time if you're not playing with people you know you're not going to achieve that dream but still it is there as an option and i think it's a really cool sort of addition to like the escape idea that you can just not just jump over windows or block you know, places with pallets and things like that. It's, it's having more to it like that and having an escape option that isn't like 100% foolproof that you will be okay like that. I like that. Uh, it's something that needs to be done. You know, and um, yeah, it adds that sort of in the moment, risk reward thing in the head of like if i go there uh, if I, I can try and outrun this last bit or you know i see that well i could go down in there and sure it sets me back but maybe i've got more of a chance and you know i like that because in that moment you're not sure what the outcome will be and again that is perfect because that's how it should be you should never be able to second guess what's going on yeah you know that was one of my fears as a victim was that oh well Playing as a victim will be too easy because there's more of us than there are the killers, even if it's only by one. But at the same time, it's like, oh, you're telling me I just have to find the one route that somebody isn't guarding and I can escape? No, of course, there's multiple mm-hmm. layers to that escape factor and the fact that no route is foolproof. And I think that, that uh, what you're talking about is a great example of the fact that there's a lot more intimacy, I think, with Texas Chainsaw Massacre than a majority of asymmetrical games in terms of the sort of claustrophobia of the house and the basement, but more importantly, the way in which they're able to recycle, because that has probably been the biggest surprise 
for me about this game is that I assumed the basement would be, you know, the initial sort of moment and then we're never returning to the basement. But the fact that you're able to recycle the basement in a manner where I would say almost half or more than half of matches I've played in have not taken place on the top levels of the house or on the surface in general. Majority of them are in the basement. And for the first few hours, I was like, why the fuck are all the victims in the basement still? And then figuring out (laughs) as a killer, oh, they can escape down this. And then that informs how I'm going to run my next playthrough as a victim and whatnot. And I think that that in of itself speaks to the fact that, you know, just because a multiplayer game only has three maps, that's not a detriment. If anything, it shows the fact that you can be, if you're a developer, you can be resourceful with how few maps you have. It's more about the quality of those maps. And as we mentioned before, you know, the day night sort of variance of them, it just ratchets up the difficulty for both sides Mm. Um, in a manner that makes them play out very differently, which is, again, equally surprising, I think. The fact mm-hmm. that, you know, sometimes when you have a multiplayer game, it's like, oh, there's a night map. It's like, okay, this kind of just plays like every other map I've played. But with this game, it really does add that extra venue of, or facet rather, of, you know, strategy if you're a victim. But at the same time, if you're playing as a killer, you have to be more uh, cautious, I suppose, or just more vigilant, if anything. Um but I suppose before we wrap up, um, I'd love to share some anecdotes because I'm sure uh, given the nature of asymmetrical and just multiplayer games in general, we both have uh, several that probably stand out to us, whether it's on the victim side of things or the family side of things. Yeah, it is um, got quite a few of those moments, hasn't it? it is, uh, one of the things that struck me early on was just that figuring out the maps you know, mm-hmm. and those little different things like the well, as we were saying. Um, yeah, I go back to that early experience I had where, you know, having a partner that wasn't doing anything and then the other one sort of running around aimlessly, it seemed like that, and really having to sort of see if I could make it work like that on my own and finding that it was flexible enough to make it work like that. that because the good thing about the person being disconnected upstairs meant that they were just there and victims tended to sort of keep a wide berth, not really realizing what was going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I started to use that to my advantage. Like I'd chase them up one way, they'd see that, and I'd know they'd have to come back or if they didn't figure it out. And the other guy was running around the other side of the map. So even then, when things are going wrong, to have that moment of like, I can figure this out, I can fix this, in what was essentially like one and a half of us against a full set of victims. It was amazing to know that the imbalance didn't mean I should just give up like that. And that encouragement was just amazing. But as a survivor, I think it's the more pure horror experience, obviously, um, in terms of it. Just every time the game made me jump from like realizing the killer's closer than I thought, like that, because you get like a little indicator when they're close, like that. And suddenly you're like, shit 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 like that and you don't know if they've seen you at that point you know, like that and yeah the amount of close calls you get and then manage to react in that moment and just like remembering something about the map like in a certain way and like if i go that way it's still great in those maps that you don't you can memorize a lot of things about it but because of the way they're designed and structured 
they have a maze-like quality that you can easily just turn the one wrong corner and you're like, shit, where am I? Shit, where am I? Like that. And uh, that it's a great balance in that regard that you have something that is so familiar and so terrifyingly, you know, able to get you lost in it, you know. And as a survivor, there's so many moments like that where you just escape by the skin of your teeth. Yep. And honestly, the first time ever escaping like that and it being actually being the only one as well it just felt perfect in the moment it felt like that's what the game was aiming for you know like not everyone survives yeah someone has to survive maybe and you were the lucky one this time and just how it just came about in circumstances where like we were talking about earlier where just someone's foolishly trying to go to the killer's one end because they're playing it like it's dead by dead by daylight or something like that where you do get people trying to grief the killer just for fun and that and it was great it would have been nice to have the help but you know like that i remember going to that last sort of door getting through it and going through it just as the other person was about to come through it you know the other face came up through that and just <laughs> took him down i was like shit <laughs> like yeah. and you know i ran and i ran and i ran because i was like you're done i ain't coming back <laughs> it's like, like that. It like i felt slightly bad because they had been really helpful to that point but it was just oh the the, the panic that happened in the moment like no self-preservation rules yep. <laughs> okay <laughs> well what i love I mean, about this game compared to friday the 13th is the fact that in Friday the 13th, I felt that there's an emphasis on teamwork and the only way to win is with teamwork or yeah. to escape with teamwork. Whereas with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and maybe it has more to do with the smaller size of environments and the intimacy of those environments, teamwork is definitely the way to go, but the you know it's perfectly viable to go on your own. And the first time that I was able to escape on my own and be the only person to escape was because of I was basically capitalizing on the... Uh, the inexperience of my teammates who, you know, yeah. I'm picking the lock on the last gate after I've basically turned off the generator, which had electrified it. And I can see Sissy coming from the other side of the map and she doesn't, she's not looking at me, but I can see her coming in my direction. And, you know, lo and behold, one of my teammates ran right next to a chicken coop, which then alerts everybody in the vicinity to their presence. And she turned right around and ran right towards the chicken coop, which gave me a moment <laughs> To escape, and then inevitably they ended up getting slaughtered. And so, you know, while of course, you know, you would want your teammates to also be able to escape, at the same time, you have to have that sort of it's the economy of this type of game is that, you know, you have allies for as long as they're useful. And if they end up not being useful in the immediate situation, it's like, well, I'm going to capitalize on that because they could be a distraction. And it's the same, you know, it's what I said earlier with um, playing as a family member and somebody plays Leatherface who doesn't know what they're doing. Anybody that hears that saw being revved in their vicinity, whether or not they've played, you know, an hour or 10 hours or 20 hours of this game, that's going to elicit some type of response from you. You're going to become more on edge like, oh shit, okay. If he gets me when he's revving that saw right to the point of it stalling out, that could fucking kill me in one go or in two hits. And so that in and of itself, I think, really does lend itself to, again, the movie quality of this game, but having mechanics that back that up. It's not just that, oh, well, he's near. It's that, oh, well, knowing that if his saw gets to a certain point, that can mean death in one hit. Um, 
And that makes for, you know, those type of like movie magic moments that we've been talking about. But I think also the first time I played as Leatherface and basically sawed through a door and then basically ran my shoulder through it just to see a group of survivors there. And then having my saw right at the go and just slicing through a bunch of guys and taking out two survivors in one go um, was, you know, incredibly empowering, but I think also in incredibly important to teaching me that, okay, Leatherface plays different than all the other killers because I tried to do something similar, not sawing through a door, but just like, oh, I see two victims. I'm just going to run up and try to slice and dice them. And it's like, that's not the way to play as other family members. And that was a very early on sort of indication that, okay, you need to play to your strengths. Inevitably, I would end up leveling up with, you know, Johnny and uh, the cook and the hitchhiker and whatnot. But it's the type of thing where it's like those lessons learned early on are the ones that stick with you for the next 5, 10, 15 hours of a game like this. Yeah, absolutely do. Yeah, it, it's a game that's grown on me more and more the yeah. more I've played it. Uh, it's quite remarkable in that regard. I think it does just take everything learned from Friday the 13th and everything that's come in between and really just, in a way, ignored a lot of the trends that have um, permeated since then and just doubled down on what they were doing in the first place, you know, like that. And um, with that, with knowledge of what not to do, I suppose, a bit more. I mean, as with any game of its type, there's always going to be the sort of pondering of like, what's the legs on this? What, you know, how is it going to work out, you know, in the long run? And that's unavoidable like that. But um I think the key thing to note here is that this is a developer that has made a lot out of a little, you know, in terms of like they've realized this is all the content we really have. You know, these are all the things we can use from. Let's not just dole out like minuscule rations of what we expect fans to have because they know that, you know, their audience won't stick around forever like that. So give them the best experience possible now like that and see how it goes you know and you know one of the smart things you know, was this is a game bars game and you know that helps a bit i think especially with the cross-platform stuff it means you've got some audience that just come into it out of sheer curiosity and then maybe you know as i've often found myself with game pass things it's like that i like i end up buying them elsewhere you know on other platforms because i'd prefer to play there anyway and that that's good so yeah it's fantastic to have that and I think most of all, it's just nice to have a good end to that uh, particular saga. You know, after all the Friday the 13th stuff, to have a game like this that out the gate is just doing the job perfectly. And um, it's going to require tweaking and changing over time, no doubt about that. But I think to come out the gate with what they have, uh, both Sumo and Gun, is just... Yeah, really well done. Really remarkable. In a year that we've had, you know, stuff like the Outlast Trials be really fucking good. You know, like, this is, like, it's really nice to have great multiplayer horror horror games out there that with these interesting dynamics and doing things. And from developers who have had interesting pasts, you know, as well. So, yeah, I, I'm very much glad that this has turned out to be like the more interesting culmination of several games we've seen over the years in terms of this sort of genre, subgenre of game. 
yeah, I am very happy about it. Yeah, and you know, we can only really speculate on what the content blueprint will be for the foreseeable future, but I would say that in the base game of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like it is encouraging, I think, that two of the characters that they've included for the killers, which are Johnny and Sissy, who it, we should uh, note, you know, there was creative input um, by the, of course, the original screenwriter of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre film, Ken Henkel, in their creation yeah. for this game. But more importantly, they have added two characters that don't have a basis in the films that feel yeah. like a natural continuation of the IP. And, you know, to some that might seem like a minor thing, but I think that in terms of seeing the foreseeable future of this, you know, new killers, new victims, new maps, of course, they can not only draw from later iterations in the film series, but I think that these two characters being included in the vanilla base game is a strong indication that, you know, even if they don't always go in the route of like adapting material straight from the film, they are more than capable of creating original content that feels at home within the IP, which I think is really important. And if anything, you know, in the technical test, them focusing on Leatherface, the Hitchhiker and the Cook makes the most sense because those are the three arguably most iconic characters from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series. And then to have the added bonus of these two additional killers that are brand new, but feel like they're not only a continuation of the source material, but are as well balanced and as well utilized within the family side of things as yeah. those core three are, is, you know, a level of, I think, goodwill that they've gotten from me um, that, you know, with something like Friday the 13th, they, of course, they have a little less wiggle room there in terms of, you know, making new content for an IP like that. Yeah. But with something like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it being a little more open, a little more varied, not tied to one individual um, that makes me excited to see what the future of this game looks like. And if mm. anything, you know, I think through the course of our conversation, we've kind of gotten to the root of the fact that this doesn't just feel like a flavor of the week of asymmetrical multiplayer horror for us, at least. You know, you can't speak about, you know, general audience and the masses and whatnot. But I would say that for this, it feels like Texas Chainsaw Massacre has sturdier legs than some of the other, perhaps asymmetrical horror games that we've seen that, you know, it's fun for two, three or a month maybe, but at the end of the day, um, it feels like Texas Chainsaw Massacre maybe has more room to grow than some of the others. But, you know, it was great to finally get a chance to dive into this in full. And, uh, you know, I think continuing our streak of chatting about multiplayer horror gaming, which I think you and I have both, um, you know, maybe not changed our opinion on, but I think we've gotten a little bit more, invested in over the course of doing the podcast i think at least speaking for myself like i had been on record previously you know multiplayer <laughs> horror had not always been my bag mostly because a lot of the stuff that i was seeing out there felt very sort of reactionary or very youtuber driven sort of centric if you will and to get games like this evil dead and whatnot um it and you know of course outlast uh trials which i think we both raved about um it seems like we're getting more multiplayer horror games that seem to be more in line with our type of horror and whatnot. And that, of course, has been a, a positive. Yeah, absolutely has. Uh, as always, Neil, it is a pleasure chatting horror with you for Safe Room. Back at you. Until the next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. 
If you enjoy the show, please rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod for show updates. As always, our main episodes for Safe Room drop every Monday, but our bite-sized episodes of Horror Bites, our indie horror showcase, drop every Thursday. Follow our Horror Bites Twitter account at HorrorBites underscore SR. You can join our Discord channel, Safe Room Podcast, to chat with us and other horror fans about the genre we all love. And finally, you can send emails to saferoompod at gmail.com if you'd like to share your thoughts on a game we have or are going to cover. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next Monday.